What's the difference between a junior and senior developer? While there's no distinct measure from one title to the next, you can measure your progress in three areas, knowledge, coding, and communication. This week on the podcast, we're doing a deep dive into the progression from junior to senior dev. Let's dig in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. Are you a developer looking for your next challenge? Meet Shopify. They're on a mission to make commerce better for everyone, and they do things a bit differently. They don't tell you how to solve problems. They give you the tools, trust, and autonomy to build new solutions. They don't want you to work alone. They're structured so you can leverage the diverse perspectives across teams in everything you do. And they don't pretend to have all the answers. They're big enough for you to tackle problems at scale, but small enough for you to discover and solve new problems. If you're a builder at heart who wants to solve highly technical problems, if you want to take all of your life experiences and apply them to a blank canvas, or if you want to access really powerful tools, Shopify is the place for you. Visit shopify.com careers today. Hey, Kelly, have you heard about this cool tool called AWS Amplify? Tell me about it. It's a suite of tools and services that enables developers to build full-stack, serverless, and cloud-based web and mobile apps. You get to use whichever framework or technology you want on the front end. That sounds cool. Will it help me get up and running with things like hosting? Yeah. Authentication? You betcha. Manage GraphQL? Totally. How about serverless functions, APIs, machine learning, chatbots, file storage? Yes to everything! Amplify is built especially in a way to enable traditionally front-end developers like yourself, Kelly, to be successful because you can use your existing skill set to build real-world full-stack apps that in the past would require deep knowledge around back-end, DevOps, and scalable infrastructure. The Amplify console also allows you to use a GitHub repository to deploy to a globally available CDN with CI and CD built-in. Super cool. Where can I learn more? If you want to learn more about AWS Amplify, visit aws-amplify.github.io. Who wants to kick this off? Let's rip the Band-Aid off here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What Band-Aid? Let's do it. So many people on the interwebs are angry about other people calling themselves engineers when they do not have an accreditation. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So basically, there are countries that require a diploma or certification in order to call yourself an engineer. And if you live in one of these countries, you might not realize that all other countries don't have that same requirement. So like in the US, you can call yourself a software engineer if you don't have an engineering degree. I know in Norway, it's the same thing. Probably Germany too, maybe, Emma? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think so. I I don't think you need an You were a software engineer at Log Me In, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Okay. So basically, it, it's, I, I want to say it's a bit gatekeepy to say like, well, you can't call yourself a, a software engineer if you don't have this diploma, degree, certification, whatever. But also, I think it's a, there's a bit of a cultural side of that to, I don't know, you have to realize that not everybody has those same kind of cultural restrictions and country restrictions and stop, you know, harassing people over their job title. Yeah, I think this is, this really, really bothers me. Um if your company gives you a designated title of software engineer, you're a software engineer. If they give you a title of developer, you're develop like I don't why are people wasting their time? Like in all honesty, it bothers me. I get that there are cultural implications, like Kelly said, in the UK, you know, it's an accreditation. Um, but I feel like we're in a 
you're a, well, like if your employer gives you a title of software engineer, you're a software engineer. Case closed. Always bothers me. I've always had the title of software engineer up until now because I'm developer advocate now, but it's just always had engineering, though I don't have a CS degree. It's just what the company's decided. Right. Like for me, I also am a designated software engineer, but also I don't know if you'll understand, like to get my job, I had to understand systems architecture and be able to conceptualize at a high level how the whole system works. So like just because you have this designation doesn't mean you don't understand. Like even though I'm working in the front end, doesn't mean I don't understand back end. Like you know, just people get so defensive and um, that's not what this whole episode's gonna be about, but I think it was important to call to call that out. <laughs> So now that the Band-Aid's been ripped off and we've covered that, we can move on. Let's talk about different levels of developers. So every company kind of has a different structure for how they level up their developers. Um, Emma, do you want to talk through this? Yeah, this is really interesting. Every company is different, and that's why it's so hard to say, like, that, you know, what exactly the level designations are. So at IBM, it worked by bands. So... It was a band system. So you would come in at a band six if you were an entry-level developer. I don't think that was a junior software engineer. I think it was just an entry-level software engineer. I think a band seven was a senior software engineer. Band eight would be a staff software engineer. And then um, it would go up to band 10. Band 10 would be like a distinguished engineer, which is the highest level that you could go before you went corporate, I believe. Um, at LogMeIn, it was a little bit different. It went from like associate engineer to software engineer to senior staff. And I don't know what went above that. And then Spotify, I don't exactly know. Like I came in as a software engineer too. Um, but there's also software engineer one, which I'm going to assume is like a new college graduate, a new bootcamp graduate, an associate level. Um, and then above that is senior and staff. And then I don't know what's above that, but importantly, they don't have that many staff software engineers. So like some companies might have a lot of staff software engineers and others, it's really, really hard to achieve it. So it's a little bit difficult to say like what exactly the different levels are, because you also might have team leads or architects, like where do those fall? It really all depends on the company. Yeah, it has looked radically different at every single company I've worked at. A lot of companies that I've worked at have been early stage startups and they don't even have levels. They just have... Um, developers or software engineers. Yeah. That's what I have. I have I have four developers and I have one lead developer. That's it. I think that that's pretty common as well. I remember though, I came in, so I didn't have the title junior or associate. I just had the title of software engineer from the start of my career pretty much other than being an intern. So I it was like technically mid-level or whatever. And then I remember yeah. them being in my annual review and being like, you're doing awesome. We're going to promote you to be a software engineer. And I was like, that was already my title. Like, <laughs> you're promoting me to the same job. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> That's weird. Like, yeah, I was never a junior or an associate software engineer. I just went straight into software engineer one, essentially. Um, but I was an intern before that. So let's talk about the importance of job titles because... Some cultures, like the U.S., are very job title heavy, and people get very, um, I'm not sure what the politically correct term for this is, people get uh, angry, we'll say angry, um, if you don't, like, respect their title or, like, if you don't use the proper title. I remember being at IBM and, like, I switched onto a design team and I asked my new manager or yeah, I asked my new manager. I was like, is my title going to stay the same? Like, I just want to make sure like, what am I going to put in my bio, like on my profile? And I got a super angry message from our team lead who was a interesting <laughs> person. 
yelling, yelling at me, like, because job titles are so important and I needed to respect, like, I don't know. It was super weird and uncomfortable. And what I've noticed through reading the culture map, which we have an episode on this season um, about cross-cultural communication, the U.S. is very hierarchical in their decision-making. And as a result, job titles are extremely important to people in the U.S. But if you go into Europe, many countries in Europe, like in Sweden and in Germany, job titles don't matter to people. Everyone has the same importance and respect. I can't say I've ever put a lot of weight on job titles, but... I've been asked in the past when I've hired somebody if they can change their job title to something that's more elevated. I'm not really a big fan of because especially if you're doing the same exact work as everybody else in the team. I don't know. Again, it's a like in the U.S., as you said, is a lot more uh, focus that's put on your job title. And I I guess I just I can't get on board with that with, as a as the one who does that, right? I think the thing that's bothered me in the past is when they don't care for one person and then they give a nicer title to somebody else. It's like, um, okay, well, you should have given me that title too then if you were going to give it to somebody else. So, Yeah, this is like, I don't know, titles are so important to people and I've noticed this more so with Americans. Um, Paris Athena had a really good tweet the other day talking about how like, if I ask you about yourself and the first thing that you say is a software engineer, like that doesn't tell me much about you. But in the, like, I noticed myself doing this. Like if people ask me about myself, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a software engineer. And I guess I associate my title with my identity because I'm a product of my culture. But in a lot of cultures, it's not who you are and it's not your identity. And yeah, I just found that really interesting. I don't know. I For me, I feel like it has been important, whether it's senior or not senior lead or faculty lead, which was my old title. And I think it's mostly just a comparison thing more than anything, especially I think as a woman in the field where I'm see title inflation for some other people who may be different demographically. And um, I think that that's a really unequitable part of our industry is titling, to be honest. Let's, let's talk about that for a second because I think it's very important for people of color and for women and especially intersectional people to have these titles because if you don't fit the mainstream cookie cutter programmer, um, you consistently have to work harder to prove your skills. Um, you know, as white women, like we are still like we're still women, right? But we still have advantages and privileges over other people um, in the industry, um, like black women, for example. And so, yeah, while a title is important for us, it's more important to other people who don't have the same privileges. Um, So we need to be really careful talking about like, oh, titles don't matter. They actually do for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it does matter. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me too, like um, in the past, I've wanted to have a better title because I felt like it validated um, my skills to other people. Um, And that's really important, especially if you're looking for another position at a different company. I mean, they do look at your previous job titles as well. Mm -hmm. So I I totally get that. But let's talk about some of these. Uh, I don't know. I guess we used the term hustle porn before. Um, Let's talk about how harmful social media, specifically Twitter, can be on those looking to excel in the industry. Because I've seen a few tweets from many different people about how they became a senior software engineer and especially quickly. Um, and 
a lot of people are like, how did I become a senior software engineer so fast and under a certain amount of years? And it's like, I worked really hard. Okay. I'm really happy for you that you have a great title. Like, I don't want to belittle what you have, but I need to be very clear that this is harmful for people in the industry, specifically people of color, um, who might not get the same treatment as you. And so like, if you are white in this industry and you achieved it in two years, like I hope that people recognize that their journey is going to be different from people who don't look like them or come from the same privileged backgrounds. So this thing can be really harmful, especially if if you have a lot of followers. Like you can't just tell everyone verbatim to like, you need to work your ass off and hustle as hard. Okay. At the end of the day, like black women can do the same exact things that you do, but they're not necessarily going to achieve the same outcome in the same time frame. So this is really harmful. There's also this ex- expectation, like you're working really hard. What say so you're using your free time to also learn more? A lot of people don't have that same availability for free time to like teach themselves additional programming languages or whatever. Like in the evening, you might be caring for someone. You might have kids at home. You, I mean, you never know what everybody else's situation is. And assuming that everyone can just like work as hard as you is very misleading. Yeah. And also, it looks radically different to get promoted at every single company. And so being a senior engineer at one company might mean that you have two years of experience. At another company, it may mean that you need 15. And there's no equity between different companies and that title. And so waving it like a flag and being so braggy about it and telling other people what they need to do to be as good as you. I think it's a really, really toxic mindset to have from so many different angles and just such a display of privilege. And again, this hustle motivation porn that I think is really gross on social media. Yeah. I mean, there's the thing, like you can motivate your followers, but if you're telling them that they have to spend every single moment of their free time to be successful, I don't think that's helpful. I mean, let's be real for a second. Yeah, you probably have to donate some of your spare time as a new developer um, if you want to excel in the beginning. But what that, like, not like to Kelly's point, not everyone has that yeah. spare time. And so it's, it's also okay if it takes you, let's talk about this for a second, because people look at me and they assume I'm a senior software engineer and I'm not. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second, because people see those with followers or, um, you know, I've been in the industry for five years and I've never been promoted. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sore subject, but here's, you know, my take on this is I've switched jobs every year. Um, And so this has really put me at a deficit. I've learned a lot about a lot of things, but it's put me at a disadvantage to get promoted because when you switch that often, like you don't build up that backlog of of good work to get promoted. Um, So stop shaming people who aren't senior software and like they're no lesser than you. Um, Just because you're a senior doesn't necessarily mean that you're smarter or have more uh, knowledge. It means you have experience and you're autonomous. And we'll talk a little bit more about like how, like the things that you can do to aim towards that. But then we also need to call out the fact that some people don't want to get promoted. Some people are really happy with the level of responsibility that they currently have, and they don't care to excel their career and that's fine. It doesn't mean you won't get raises or get awards. It just means you don't want to take on more responsibilities. It was a good rant. And I second all of it. And I get really angry about this, to be honest. Like, it really pisses me off when I see people like, you need to do all these things to be a senior software engineer. I'm like, A, what if I don't want to be? And B, it doesn't transfer directly. So yeah, it yeah. makes me really angry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially back to Ali's point of it, it represents itself differently from one company to the next. Like, 
I, I, I've been, again, I've been coding since I was 11. I've been professionally doing this since, I mean, it's hard to say because of my freelancing, but I don't know if I could walk into a company right now and have a senior level position. I don't know. At some companies, I probably could. At some companies, they probably consider me to be a, like technical co-founder. I mean, it is, there's just it's such a range in how people perceive these, these different job titles that there's so much pressure to continue to move up and up and up and up in a company when there shouldn't be. So agreed. And I think it's important to acknowledge what we have done and be realistic about that and talk about how you know, all of us have at varying points in our careers put in a lot more than 40 hours and that we've done content creation outside of work and that's benefited our careers. And it's important to acknowledge that while still saying that you can have a successful career without that, it just is going to look different. And also how different role um, titles are across companies. I had the title software engineer, but was the lead of all my teams at one company and then lead title at the next company and then got promoted to faculty lead at that company. And then now I'm senior. So it just is all over the road. And I'm a developer advocate now too. So I'm not a software engineer, I guess. So it's all over the road. It doesn't map from one company to another. Just because you're X at one company does not mean that you're that at another company. Okay, now that we've ranted. (laughs) Yeah, we had to get that off our chest. And now we can move on to the actual, I guess, differences between junior, mid-level, and senior. And again, this, as as we've kept on stating over and over again, we're probably going to continue to say it, these are not specific benchmarks to go from one level to the next. These are just kind of general guidelines if you kind of, you know, want to gauge where you might be at. So let's start with knowledge. So the way I was kind of picturing this as a more junior level would be you have more basic knowledge about concepts, um, programming basics and tools, basic bug fixing and and testing, but you're not going, you know, super deep dive into one particular area. I think that that's accurate. You're not necessarily an expert at anything yet. Um, Maybe you haven't even niched down yet. You have more generalist skills. You are at a point where you can write code independently to some extent, not all by yourself. You may need to ask for help, but you could write some code that contributes to a code base. That's And we did a whole episode on finding your, fir- or what skills to have for your first developer job. And we can link that because I think that that probably outlines the skills that most companies would be looking for in an entry-level dev. I also think most um, companies want a candidate who shows enthusiasm for learning. Um, so generally, I would say, that for junior roles, you're not expected to have like all of the skills needed to be successful. It's more about training you. Uh, well, this is what a good company should do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I also want to say that I think that finding a junior level job in this industry has become so much more difficult recently with the coronavirus, but also before that, that I think that there are a lot of people self-teaching and going through boot camps. And so there's this big group of people looking for their first developer job and there are not very many junior jobs that companies are putting out there because they have to put more work into a junior developer than maybe a senior. And I think that that's really messed up. And it it may make it so that the junior level skills that you need to get a job are probably higher than they were in the past when we were getting those entry-level jobs. 
So I think that's just something to note. Yeah. And on the employer side, like I'm fully aware that there are not many junior developer positions available. I was extremely overwhelmed when I posted a, yeah. a junior dev position and yeah. I got 600 applications. That's exactly. Well, I also want to say like, you might not need to apply for a junior role, right? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> exactly. Like, I think, I I honestly wonder why junior developer is even a role anymore because is it just an excuse for companies to like pay them less? Because entry-level engineers are like, I was hired as an entry-level engineer, right? And I know that many people straight out of college, straight out of boot camp are as well. So why do we even have a junior dev role anyway? I think that these are just different titles of different companies, to be honest. Like junior, associate, entry-level, I think that they're all analogous. Yeah, oh, okay. that, at least to me. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I was picturing hiring a junior developer as somebody who uh, has a baseline experience of, you know, teaching themselves how to code, going through boot camp, whatever it might be, CS degree, but maybe not having so much real world experience working on direct projects with clients and things like that, where they'll need the additional training in time to get exposed to additional um, problems, additional, you know, not only on the development side, but like testing and debugging and everything like that, the client communication. So kind of training them up to to feel like they have that autonomy to continue on the role on their own. And I honestly also see like a, the junior title, especially for the tap room, being a temporary thing. Like you start as a junior, once you get through the training, then I remove the junior part of the title and, you know, be a developer just like everybody else. I just feel like developer and training is probably not as good of a, a title, so. Yeah, and some companies have like an apprenticeship program as well. And I think that that's really interesting because I think that that title implies a lot of mentorship. So exactly, maybe that's something that the industry should move towards even more. So how would you describe the knowledge level of somebody who's more, let's say, mid-level? Not quite senior, but more mid. I think the ability to teach themselves a little bit faster is important and more self-sufficiency with projects as well, that they can really be um, assigned a project and run with it and with more independence. I also think you're going to start getting more exposure to basic debugging, working through problem solving. Um, and I think this is definitely something we'll touch, to, touch on in terms of communication, but just like working through a problem on your own and feeling like you, if, if you get stuck at some certain point, then you can, you know, then you reach out for help, but being kind of self-sufficient there to to start kind of debugging these smaller bugs that come up on your own. Definitely. I think those are the two biggest. Um, yeah. It's just, I just find this interesting because, because like when my dad was an engineer in the early days at IBM, um, he still is there. It's been like 30 years. But when he started out, it took him like eight years to get his first promotion. And now we see all of us as young developers and we're like, I want to be a senior so fast. And it's like, okay, but do you realize like in the past, it's taken years and years to get to that level. So I don't know why we're pushing so hard. Like you should feel comfortable being a mid-level for years. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, that was a small tangent, but I was just, that just came up in my mind and I'm like, huh. Yeah. When I started in the industry, I thought seniors were people with like 20 years experience because that's what the title implies to me. And I don't think it is actually that way, but that's very much what I thought. That's why titles are not like, it doesn't map one-to-one to your not skill at all. Um, But yeah, I think in terms of what it takes to be like, 
the qualifications of a senior engineer, um, this is definitely more autonomy. Like you are generally expected to be able to be self-sufficient, not need a ton of help. You should be able to help others now. You understand the underlying, like the architecture of the application and all of the systems that feed into it. Um, and you can debug and test, but not only that, you're expected to be able to present to leadership and do all these kinds of things, understand the mission. It's basically, yeah, more conversations with uh, stakeholders in general. Definitely. Okay. I think that's a good, kind of a good roundup for knowledge. So moving into coding, I want to preface this with, it's not about the number of languages you know, and it's not about how long you've been coding a particular language that determines what your level is. Again, job titles, job listings love to stress. You have five years of experience with this or two years of experience with this. And honestly, like as a an employer, it's easy to gauge somebody's quote unquote level of experience by having numerical data right in front of you. Because when you're going through resumes very quickly, you can glance at something like that. But I feel like it's still not a true measure of somebody's level as a junior, mid-level, or senior. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks. Um, so as regards to coding, you know, what can a junior expect? I think it's really about getting familiar with your first programming language, um, maybe even beginning to learn another one, understanding how all the pieces fit together, and all of those kinds of things. Working in a professional setting, too, of knowing the Git workflow and how to prioritize and all of those skills that are so important for being a developer, even outside the technical ones. And again, like uh, I was going to bring up like boot camps, for example, you're at, even if you're just learning how to code, you're likely exposed to multiple different languages. So it's not necessarily, again, the number of languages that you know. Yeah, for sure. It's not like a Pokemon. You don't have no. to collect them all. Please. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> what about for a mid-level? engineer? At this point, I think thinking about specialization would probably be the way to go for most developers, unless you're in a role like consulting or an agency where it's more advantageous to know a little about a lot, because that's also definitely a valid career path. But for most people, it's going to be more niching down. Like, are you a performance-focused front-end developer? Or are you really into accessibility? Are you really loving Python and data science stuff. I think at this point, specializing a little bit is probably usually the way to go. I think one of the other things that I kind of measure at the mid-level is being able to inherit code from somebody else and, and parse through that and understand it. So you can basically take over a project or uh, make changes to basically somebody else's code. And on the senior level, I, I just probably say, you know, you're you're getting an even deeper understanding of your specialization um, I don't really know. I think, again, I, with more experience, especially if you're inheriting other people's code quite often, it's, it's, this happens a lot in the agency space in particular, you're able to very quickly identify what's salvageable, what needs to be rewritten or, uh, you know, whatever, and, and quickly analyze that. When we're trying to put together time estimates for how long certain tasks will take, um, the more experience you have in Analyzing other people's code and what currently exists there is really key for being able to kind of create a more accurate estimate. I think also the further away you get from being a mid-level engineer, I mid and senior, and potentially staff, like anything above that, you're kind of removing yourself from coding day to day. Like at that point, you start to get more into architecture. 
um, and decision making and less about coding. So this is kind of where you would branch off potentially into like management, uh, like at, after the staff level is, is and maybe a little bit before you could either branch into like engineering management or you can stay technical. Um, and this is maybe why some people just don't want to get promoted because above that level, you're not doing as much day-to-day coding. Um, and that's totally yeah. fine. I don't want to code for the rest of my life. I know that. I think it also <laughs> goes back to a more senior level, uh, taking on more like architecting kind of projects, for example. Um, I know like our lead developer is now, like now has his own direct reports as well. So his time is kind of split between coding, client communication, and now uh, being the manager of two employees as well. So you're absolutely right. And there, again, there are multiple ways that senior, like a senior level position can represent itself. It's not always going to be mean management. It's going to you know, vary from one, one company to the next. One final section that's worth talking about here is communication. And I think the more you progress in your development and programming career, career the better communicator you become. And I think there are definitely some tells of how um, how experienced you are based on how you communicate. I don't think it's that you become a better communicator. I think it's that you should <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. A better communicator. Because some people don't. <laughs> that, that is a very yeah, good that point. That is so true. It should be something that you focus on. The most important thing that junior level developers can do is ask questions. Ask all the questions you can. Your job as a junior, you're you're starting to, you know, you're this might be your first role, for example, and you're now learning how to work within a company as a developer. And you're going to have a lot of questions. And I'm hoping that the company you work for fosters an environment that makes it comfortable for you to be asking questions. But that's a I think one of the best or one of the most common traits you'll see from a more junior level. Questions are good. And then for more of a mid-level, I think at that point, maybe thinking about mentoring interns or people just starting off with their career would be a great way to learn more yourself and still ask a bunch of questions, keep focusing on extending your knowledge and um, those best practices of working on a team as a developer really important pretty much at all levels but especially mid yeah and then as it relates to like a more senior level you're going to be mentoring you should be mentoring junior and mid-level devs even if your company doesn't require it it's something that you should proactively be doing uh it doesn't even need to be formal mentorship it can just be creating a safe space for your newer employees or coworkers to ask questions um accepting responsibility for failures is a big thing like you need to be okay with taking the brunt of a bad decision or something that failed because you're leading to a certain extent. You might not be the team lead. I think maybe this falls more on the team lead, but the more senior you get, the more responsibility you have. Um, and then you're just going to keep asking questions. You sh- if the moment you stop asking questions, the moment you stop growing, I think. so. Definitely. So I think the biggest question that we should answer is how do you know you're ready to become a senior developer? I think it's going to be different for everyone. Some people might not ever feel like they're ready, but I think what's important is ask your manager if there's a career path document internally. There should be. And if there's not, that's a huge issue. Um, Have those open career conversations with them and take a look at exactly what it means to achieve the next level and start 
exhibiting those qualities. So um, if you have to, if a senior level is one of the qualifications is that they mentor more junior employees, start doing that. Like start um, doing the job that you want to achieve and make sure that you're writing down all of the things that you're doing. So come promotion time, you have this list that you can present to your manager and make their job easier because often they have to take that to their manager and advocate for you. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a big piece of the promotion is like that you're doing a decent amount of the job already. Yeah. Just in terms of like tips for becoming a senior in general, um, proving your autonomy. I think that's a that's a really big one is, is again, taking that initiative and running with it and showing that you can, you can do a lot of these, whatever the task is on your own. Again, please don't silo yourself and exclude others in an attempt to show your autonomy. Um, even if you're just being like acting as lead on a certain project, like Take, take those opportunities and run with them. For sure. I think one last tip is maybe to look for a mentor and you can start this conversation with your manager and ask them to find you someone. Um, but if you prefer to find someone that you can identify with on maybe more of like a, a gender or like a demographic level, because that is something that many um, many developers are looking for, you can seek out someone in the company that you admire or want to learn from and just ask them. That's how I've found my mentors in the past is I just asked them if they had time to mentor me. Um, I don't know. Did we do a whole episode on mentorship? Or have, I don't think no. so. I don't, I don't think we did. I don't did. think so. Okay. The important thing about finding a mentor is make sure that you're not – like that you respect their time. So come to them with a list of solid – objectives that you want to learn from them and make sure that they're tangible and make sure that you're using their time effectively because they will be giving up their time to help you. So that's that. We've discussed the path to becoming a senior developer and all the little bits of fun facts in between. So let's move on to shout outs. Did we all choose books? Probably. I think so. That seems on brand. Allie, what is your shout out this week? I am currently reading One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who is the best. And I'm really enjoying it. It's very heartbreaking, but also very good. So big fan of that one. She's She's a great author. So good. All her stories are so emotionally wrecking. I've never even heard of this title from her. I think it's one of her really old ones. But essentially... Oh, my goodness. The main character's name is Emma Blair. <laughs> my dog plus your name. How cute. Emma, what's your shout-out this week? Um, so since we're kind of speaking about career path, a book that I've been slowly getting through has been called The Squiggly Career. And it talks about how your career does not need to be linear. Uh, it was a really cool gift from Thomas. And so I've been enjoying it. It's like part workbook and part nonfiction, not self-help, but like, I don't know, like nonfiction, like career book. <laughs> um, so it's really interesting because it makes you like write down your, um, like your values and it helps you narrow down your values to like your top three based on what you're looking for and then find a company that um, kind of embodies those. It's really neat. Cool. My shout out this week is a book I'm almost done reading called Range uh, by David Epstein. And basically it's about um, being a generalist in a specialized world. 
and how a lot of the uh, the people we know for you know famous people, athletes, artists, musicians, musicians, whatever else, they are often like there's a, it's a good mix of people who are specialists and generalists, but you're not necessarily like having to start early on in your career to ever make it big. Um, it's a really interesting read. It's a very slow and dense read, but I'm really enjoying the book. So three book recommendations. And let's go ahead and close this out. So if you like this episode, tweet about it. We would love to read your feedback. We always read all of it. Uh, we'll be giving one tweeter a one-year license to Fernand Masters this week. We post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure to subscribe to be notified and leave us a review. See you next week. Note to Chris to add our pre-roll here. Mm, mm, mm.